Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work. Welcome to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, April 6th, episode 225. Today, from Bud to Boss, we talk about how to develop supervisors and managers that perform well as people leaders. We're joined by special guest Matt Weidman, AIM's business manager of training and organizational development, as we discuss the benefits of providing new leaders the skills and confidence to succeed when transitioning to roles with added responsibilities. As always, we want to hear from you. So ask your questions and take the polls now. All this and more on This Week at Work. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Bert, good to see you again today. It feels like just yesterday we were together doing our uh, harassment training. What a what a successful program that was. Uh, the feedback's been fabulous so far. I don't I don't know if you've received any from your clients, but you know, 250 or so people attending that program. Um, great topic, great participation, and our guest looks kind of familiar to us today. <laughs> we'll we'll get to him in just a moment. There, Mr. Matt Weidman. Yep, I'm doing well, Phil. Happy to be here again. And uh, you, you, you. It's been so long. It's been a week since we did the program, and you called it. Did you miss me, Bert? Well, you, you called it me? harassment <laughs> uh, program, and it was an investigations program. That's how I'm, memorable I'm sorry. it was for you. Well, investigation, but we did a role play of harassment. That was exactly like confusion. But you're exactly right. It was the workplace investigation. And you know, I think what was important is I did have several people come up afterwards and and tell me that's the first time they've really been through any professional development in the space of investigations. And I mean, that's just a, such an important skill to have as an HR professional. And I do know not every HR professional gets that development. I was very lucky in my career having a safety background that that was part of the education and training that, that you received as a, a safety professional. And you did it almost every day. But yeah. you know, HR professionals don't, and it is a skill, and it is something that we have to be good at and take very seriously. The program is available online should anyone choose to um, purchase that program. Um, Matt, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Where would they find that program, and, and how would they go about it? Sure. Yeah, uh, I would say the best, best, best thing to do would be reach out to their advisor or reach out to our solutions team. And we can get a copy of that to you um, to, to watch. And I think I think there's a lot of good takeaways uh, that any HR professional or even supervisors could could take away from that in terms of how to deal with those situations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So great two-hour program, Bert. I appreciate that. And let's get on with uh, today's topic. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. I know there's some important developments for lawyer on the clock. Uh, let's introduce the um, poll questions for today. Uh, as always, we do want to hear from you. I know the poll questions are starting to come in. Uh, the first question is, where do your supervisors typically come from? And what we're really asking here is, are you hiring them in from internal, from external? What percent or mix do you have? I know um, in the past, we had a business strategy that we wanted 
25% of our supervisors to come externally and 75 to be 75% to be internal hires. Uh, that was a business strategy that we had to promote internal development, culture, those types of things. So we'd like to hear from you as it relates from that question. And then the second question is, what is the most important trait for a supervisor in your business? Uh, if you could use one word to describe the most important trait, what would that be? And then we do have a third question today, and does your company train new supervisors to be people leaders? So do you have a formal training program? Do you wish them luck and send them on their way? Uh, what, what do you do to really develop their skills as people leaders? I think that's three great questions there. Thank you, Producer Nick, for that. And we'll be looking forward to your feedback as well as your chat. All right, Bert, are you ready for Lawyer on the Clock? I'm always ready for Lawyer on the Clock. favorite part Bill. of the program. Favorite <laughs> part of the program. Nick, let's kick it off. Lawyer on the Clock. All right, it's time to look into what's trending in employment law. Lawyer, you're, you're on, on the, the clock. clock. Phil, you'll recall that I've talked a little bit on the program about a scary proposition uh, for employers, and that is that uh, the Department of Justice, which typically has not gone after employers for criminal violations in certain spaces, uh, has, has taken a new, a renewed interest in what are called no-poach cases. And that is when one company agrees with another company not to hire that other company's employees. Sometimes you will get uh, no-poach pacts among uh employers in certain industries where they agree not to raid each other's employees. You might even get a no poach agreement in a settlement of a non-compete case or something like that where two employers agree that they're not going to go after each other's employees. And it always makes me nervous when I hear Department of Justice because uh, unlike the EEOC, the Department of Labor, the NLRB, the Department of Justice has criminal prosecution uh, capabilities and authority. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, a jury rejected a U.S. Department of Justice claim finding that four home health care company managers and their owners were not guilty of fixing wages and suppressing job mobility. So the uh, Department of Justice had brought a uh, lawsuit uh, against home health care companies, actually an indictment. Uh, the Department of Justice in January announced that that federal grand jury in January of 2022, I should say, announced that that federal grand jury had returned the indictment charging the individuals with conspiring to eliminate competition for home health care workers early in the COVID-19 pandemic. The indictment had alleged that the individuals colluded to deprive workers of opportunities to earn better wages in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Federal law prohibits wage fixing and no poach agreements. And like I said, the Department of Justice has taken a renewed interest in that. Uh, I also talked previously on the program about the Department of Justice obtaining a, its first criminal conviction last year uh, against a company that pleaded guilty and was sentenced to pay $134,000 for a no poach agreement. And an individual in that company was slated for trial, but the charges were dismissed upon his successful completion of a diversion program. And again, I think the important piece here is if your company finds itself uh, in, in, in an industry or sector where there no poach agreements exist, 
those need to be taken, uh, those, you need to look at those very carefully and decide whether it's worth it to have those in place. So Bert, if I, if I break that down just um, in a way that maybe I can understand that, maybe I'm a, a manufacturing, a warehouse facility, I'm a local employer in one of our states that we serve, and, and I have, I'm in an industrial complex, and I have some other businesses that neighbor me, and the owners and CEOs of those businesses get together and they say, hey, I'm not going to hire your people. You don't hire my people. And they right. kind of have a handshake agreement. That's kind of what we're talking about here a little bit, maybe. Yeah. So in even sometimes more formal than a handshake agreement. Okay. That's, that's yeah. right. So, so again, you know, I just, go on an interview and they're like, oh, you work next door at ABC company. Oh, we have an agreement where that we, you know, we can't really hire you. We're sorry about that. That's that's what we have to be careful of. And I don't know of those existing, but I'm I'm sure somewhere somebody has done that with all the right intent, but that's what we have to be careful of. Yeah, that, and, and I'd also say just also just in certain sectors or industries where one, when, when you have two competitors, two or more competitors and the competitors agree, we won't go after each other's employees. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But in this case, they found... Uh, no wrongdoing. Correct. At least, they, at least not in a criminal way. Correct. That's exactly right. But again, be careful. You don't want to be that test case. And certainly no one wants to have an indictment, federal grand jury indictment uh, brought against them. Well, not everybody. Uh, some people <laughs> seem to just go, that's not a problem. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't, yeah. I don't know who I, you might be thinking of when I say <laughs> that, but let's move on. All, All right. right. <laughs> so the next one I have for you, and this one I think Phil's going to fall into the go figures column. I have not done the research on the background of this, but uh, the uh, March 13, under the uh, Taxpayers First Act, uh, the uh, OSHA, our, our good friends over at OSHA, adopted a new rule that outlines whistleblower protections under that federal Taxpayer First Act. And what that means is that OSHA now protects whistleblowers who testified about tax violations or assisted government investigation of tax violations. And so uh, it protects them for retaliation. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm not making the, the connection agency. to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the problem is I'm having trouble connecting uh, OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety uh, and Health Administration, uh, to, to whistleblower protections in the tax area. And right. uh, what it basically says is this new rule says that uh, if employers retaliate, and it defines retaliation as firing, laying off, demoting, denying overtime or promotion, disciplining, denying benefits, failing to hire or rehire, reducing pay or hours, making threats, blacklisting and reporting someone to police or immigration authorities, uh, employees have six months after the retaliatory action to file a claim against their employer if the employee engaged in some sort of whistleblowing activity in the tax sector. Yeah, I'm, maybe the only thing I can think of is someone um, complains through a, an OSHA-related channel of whistleblowing, um, and therefore they're creating some protection, but that, that just makes no no sense to me. I didn't think you needed more protection than what was already out there, but uh, be interesting to see how that comes around uh, in the future someday. Yes. Yeah. Last one I have for you uh, is the National Labor Relations Board is now seeking to regulate discussions of race in the workplace. 
Uh, we've talked a lot about the NLRB's general counsel, Jennifer Abruzzo, and sort of her very anti-employer bent. And what they uh, have said is that they are seeking to enforce the NLRA, the National Labor Relations Act, against employers that allegedly retaliate against employees for having workplace discussions about racism. Now, this one has to be parsed out very finely. The, the rule really sets forth a very expansive interpretation of conduct that constitutes protected concerted activity under Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act to include general discussions working to end systemic racism, including its impact at the employer. And so what this does is basically sets up a little a, a dichotomy or a challenge here that DEI programs at employers are fine. Those are acceptable. That's that's appropriate workplace discussion. But anyone who pushes back, including the employer, if they push back against uh, against those discussions, uh, if they challenge those discussions, then the company can be guilty of an unfair labor practice. Um, You'll recall that the general counsel had previously sued Whole Foods Market for disciplining employees who wore Black Lives Matter pins for violating the company's uh, dress code policy. They lost that case in the United States District Court for the District of Massachusetts when the uh, jury ruled in favor of Whole Foods and said that Whole Foods employees who had been disciplined pursuant to the company's dress code policy could not wear Black Lives Matter pins. And so if this rule goes into effect, the Department or the National Labor Relations Board is really seeking uh, to bolster its position uh, that certain types of race discrimination or certain types of race issues in the workplace are permissible while uh, trying to uh, basically tamp down and keep those issues out of the workplace would be impermissible. So uh, real quick, if I can just remind our, um, our listeners, if you did participate in a poll, we, we had a quick uh, glitch there and uh, producer Nick has got it fixed. We appreciate that, Nick. If you could just resubmit your, um, your results on that, we'd appreciate that. Okay, Bert, back to that. So I'm going to just try and simplify it in some layman's yep. terms. I can support the... Um, diversity and inclusion efforts as a supporter out loud, visibly on display with things I support and wear and follow the company line. Mm -hmm. um, I may not oppose it. That's in essence what this would boil down to. This uh, advice memorandum coming from the general counsel really is a very strong indication that the board is going to look to broadly interpret what constitutes protected concerted activity so as to cover workplace discussions about race, even if those discussions generally focus on just racism in society, not okay. just racial issues at the employer itself. So where I, where I know I have had some experiences, I think of some union shops that I'm familiar with and, you know, um, there has been some scenarios where, you know, employees who um, belong to unions choose to do simple things like, um, I'm not, you know, it's the union employee, it's the employee that is represented by a union's responsibility to raise the flag out front. That's a, a duty called in, in the, um, 
in the job duty list. And it's that person's responsibility to do that. They have to be represented by a union. Management cannot raise the flag. Now, management says, we want you to raise the, um, the pride uh, flag. And we're going to hang that also on the pole next to the uh, POW flag and the American flag. And then the union represented employee says, I will not do that. Um, and, I, and this is a true story. I'm aware of this scenario. It's why I'm using it. Um, and, you know, then whether or not someone else can do it, doesn't do it, that's, that's supported, it's not supported, but that, that's going to be a really interesting outcome as to, you know, is that concerted because I'm doing that with and under the protection of the union, I'm doing it against the union, I'm doing it against the diversity and inclusion efforts. That's going to be really a twisted one here. It is. I do want to point out that this this rule from the NLRB specifically relates, or or this this memor guidance memorandum from the NLRB's general counsel specifically rates relates to discussions about race. It does not go broader than that. But your point, Phil, I think is a good one, and that is that it sort Give of it indicates time. a slippery slope here of you know government getting involved in what employers can and cannot promote and what employers can and cannot uh, support and uh, you know of course my advice on the program has been that you know companies at the end of the day the job security that we have uh, as employers comes from uh, a supply of customers and we and it also comes from having employees that are across diverse backgrounds. Our customers come from diverse backgrounds. Our employees come from diverse backgrounds. And as soon as you start as an organization taking stances on these uh, societal issues, you're going to alienate uh, a good portion of your uh, customer base, your employees. And my, my encouragement generally is that the employer should be staying out of these types of issues. There's also social media concerns these days, cancel culture. And I think employers themselves are generally better off staying out of these issues um, because, again, it reflects that we've got a broad cross-section, a very diverse workforce uh, who, who supports these issues and some who do not support these issues. And uh, when you start wading into it, uh, you, you run the risk of alienating. And I think that the point here is, is that the government is trying to control which agenda to promote. Yeah, no, that's a, it's going to be a slippery slope. And, and I really know most of the people I work with, I'm sure you do too. They just want to get it right and move forward and, yeah. and get it right for all the right reasons. I, I, I'm not really aware of anyone that's maliciously trying to do anything wrong. Um, all right, great, Bert. Anything else there that's uh, important for us to know for this week? That's a lot, I think of, a lot of news. I, yeah, I wanted to tackle another topic, but I'll save it for next week. And I was going to talk about the uh, the job that's openings. That's called a teaser. That's yep, called the, a teaser. The, yeah. the labor market, what's happening in the labor market. Again, I've mentioned before that in my almost 30 years of doing labor and employment law, I've never seen the economy whipsaw so quickly from we can't find enough people to we are now having massive layoffs. And yeah. uh, this has has to do with the Fed and the interest rate increases trying to tamp down inflation. Uh, and we'll talk about that perhaps next week.
Yeah, that would be a great discussion. Maybe we'll get someone to join us with that because as well with that, even when I do that, there's still 10 million job openings. Uh, Actually, 9.9 million. 9.9. We're making a dent in it. We're making a dent in it. The Fed is. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's a long way to go, but uh, it is affecting some more than others. But future's a little unknown. That's our teaser, Bert. We're getting good at this stuff after (laughs) two or three years. Great. Let's move on to Philbert's forum and take a look at some of the things producer Nick put together for us. You've just entered Filbert's Forum, where we peel the onion back and take a lighter look at the workplace. All right. What do we have here? Oh, my boss be like work. And um, Nick, you're going to have to read that for me. I apologize uh, here. Uh, what What's our um, most interesting man saying there? Well, uh, in this case, our most interesting man is saying, I don't always ask my employees how they are, but when I do, I walk away before they answer. Oh, I've had what that a, boss before. <laughs> what, a, what a great management style. <laughs> yeah. That, but we yeah. all have had that boss, haven't we? Where they, you we know, they ask questions of interest, but they're not interested at all. What a yeah, bad for sure. Yeah, we should yes. probably preface this with uh, these are not the rules to follow, um, <laughs> such these as are, when the new supervisor. These are not the things that Matt Weidman teaches in his program. <laughs> we hope not. So I don't know if you can see this. I guess I'll read this one too, but we have uh, Tom Hanks and he's discovered fire is the image for those audio listeners. But what we say is when the new supervisor discovers they have some authority, look how excited he is. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And unfortunately we have seen that too, particularly when we go from bud to boss, right? It's like, Hey, I've been working with my friends and now my friends work for me. That's uh, uh, that happens. That happens for sure. And on the same uh, the same direction here, we have Dave Chappelle, who has a very, um, I guess, a questioning look. And it says, the look you give when your new boss is trying to impress everyone. Oh, yeah. So he's not that, quite- yeah, I think I've given that look before. Um, but I know for sure no one's ever used that look um, <laughs> when, when I've tried to be impressive. Uh, I think the key thing is let's not try to impress anyone. Let's just do what's right. Yeah. Uh, there's so many here. Let's let's do like maybe three more quick ones here. Uh, we have 30. We have a very happy baby here, and it says 30 minutes late for work, but the boss is 31 minutes late for work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. That's a good look. Uh, let's see here. We have uh, this is a text message, and someone received a text from uh, their boss that says we're short staff for tonight, and the employee says, "Damn, that's crazy." Good luck, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so long gone are the days of mandatory forced overtime. Uh, Some of the issues I grew up with, um, (laughs) that is exactly it. Well, good luck with that. Uh, But uh, good good ones there, Nick. Thank you. You got one more? Yeah, I got one more. This is my favorite. Uh, So we have a guy sitting on a nice, I mean, that's a slick Lamborghini. It has the color combo of my favorite Adidas shorts. Anyways, it says, my boss arrived at work in a brand new Lamborghini. I said, wow, that's an amazing car. And probably in Jeff Bezos style, he replies, uh, if you work hard, put all your hours in and strive for excellence, I'll get another one next year. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's real. I got a quick story on that. We're going to get to you, Matt. So get yourself ready to roll. 
um, I was doing a union negotiation and one of the union uh, bosses came up and I was working with a labor attorney and the labor attorney was driving a very fancy car and we were all walking out at the same time of the hotel conference room and the uh, attorney went to get into his fancy car and the union boss was showboating a little bit and said, see, see, that's exactly the problem. See your car, that's why we're in here having this argument. And the union, uh, the labor attorney without missing a beat said, you are exactly right. Um, and it was, you know, the whole point of you're driving a nice car. My guys are driving beat up cars and, and the attorney didn't miss a beat. I kind of went home scratching my head going, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it better from here. But nevertheless, that was a good meme, uh, Nick. I could relate to it. All right. Well, let's uh, get ourselves introduced to Mr. Matt Weidman. Matt is one of our uh, managers here. He leads all of the training and organizational development coaching type activities for AIM. And we wanted to focus today on actually being the boss. And that's kind of the theme. Everyone wants to be the world's best boss. That's what uh, we're trying to achieve. Um, maybe one of you even have a cup coffee mug with that on it. I'm not sure. Um, but Matt, we at AIM have a very specific program, and I know there's a lot of activity in training, but we have a model that we want employers or encourage employers to use. First, let's just start with what's happening around the country in the space of training and training supervisors and managers. What, what do you see happening out there? Sure. Yeah, uh, great question, because I was actually just on a, a networking call yesterday with about 10 other employer associations from across the United States. And coincidentally, they all are seeing the same type of trend, that there is an increased need and an increased request from their members um, on, on supervisor, frontline supervisor training, um, getting those, those frontline supervisors trained, um, increased activity, enrollments are up, activity are up in terms of scheduling of those classes um, across the board. So that, that's an increased need for everybody right now. And I, I think it's a lot of it is coming out from a pent-up um, uh, demand from things that maybe may have been put on pause during the pandemic where they couldn't get together. Um, so that's that's definitely a big trend right now. And and so you get a, an ability to you chat, coordinate. So you're talking with managers, owners, HR professionals say we want to do training for this reason. This is what we're trying to accomplish as a result of the training. What are what are some of the themes that come out of that in the conversation that uh, you have with the employers uh, around the region? Sure. The, I would say, you know, in terms of the skill sets that they're looking for, that they say, you know, our, our frontline supervisor really need these things. Uh, the ones that are always at the top of the list are communication, um, the ability to coach, and the ability to provide feedback to their teams. So that's that's always the top three. Um, you know, there's others that are, in, that are always included. Yeah, those are nice to have, but those are always the, the basic three. And that's even starting at the lead level. Um, whether we're talking about leads that are that are not not necessarily you know managers and they're not supervisors where they have direct reports, but they are leading by example, they're leading by influence by other people that are on the front line with them, you know st they're still doing processes, but they are the the subject matter expert, and so they are we're working to get them to be future supervisors, to be future managers, but it all starts with improving those communication skills improving those ability to coach others, motivate others, uh, and, and things like that. I, I always find it interesting, you know, a good portion of our, of our uh, members um, are in the manufacturing world. 
Um, but we would, and I always talk to my, my members about this when we talk about what kind of training they need, we would, they would never think of putting a new person on a machine or on a new manufacturing process without giving them training. But often they'll hand them over a team of five or six people to lead without ever training them on leading people and the skills that are needed. That's a really good point. Um, and, and it does happen, right? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm very skilled at my job. I've been here long enough to have some level of competency and therefore I get, you know, the tap on the shoulder. How would you like to lead the team? And, and when you're talking about in this case, leading, it's just, I'm the leader. I don't hire, I don't fire, but I have a responsibility maybe to, you know, help manage workflow and, and answer basic level lead oriented questions. Um, and, and it happens, you just, you know, it's like, Hey, can you be the lead supervisor's not here? And all of a sudden that puts that person in, in a lot of, uh, difficult situations. I want to divert to the poll questions here, Matt, and I want to come back, um, after that and, and talk a little bit about the sequence of developing, you know, a really good supervisor or manager. Uh, Nick, what do we have for poll results? Okay, on um, first question, where do your supervisors typically come from? We have the highest answer is 50% of our respondents say roughly 75% internal and 25% external. Okay. And followed Excellent. behind that at 33%, we have about 50-50 internal to external is where their supervisors come from. And then our uh, uh, the next response is 25 internal, 75 external so far no responses for some uh, for a company that only hires internal or only hires external candidates yep oh, very very good results there and can we take a look at the wordle yep we have it right here and let's make an adjustment here so some of the words that we have coming up and i love how you call it a wordle you must uh you must play that <laughs> wordle game every day well, you know, Nick, that's the proper name for it. Um, if you want, I can put you through a training program that will help you with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I so could use more words. words. Yeah, Keywords are supportive and tenacious. Um, Matt, can you just talk a little bit about those two words and some of the program's efforts to help achieve supportive, tenacious, um, you know, communicating, support, so on? Sure. Yeah. Like, like I mentioned, you know, being that supportive uh, person that coaches, encourages, motivates their team members, um, being able to communicate effectively. Those are all kind of the, the core basic um, skills that we start with at, at the leadership, at the lead level, um, kind of preparing those people to be future leaders. Then we start layering on things like delegation skills, um, the ability to manage change within a team. So um, dealing with conflict, you know, those are all a very important um, Im important skills that a supervisor has where they then have direct reports because they're, they're, you know, kind of sometimes dealing with those issues on a day-to-day -day basis with people on their team because they might be managing five or six people um, that might have issues. Um, then you're talking about, you know, transitioning those folks up to the manager level. Um, we start getting into other things like, you know, um, interviewing skills, you know, how do they prepare and select future people to come in and work on their team, delivering performance appraisals. Um, so really getting into those, those next level skills, building teams, understanding where their weaknesses are on the team. Those are kind of the transition as they, as they, as they kind of graduate up, um, kind of increasing those skills and, and what they're managing for at, at each level. 
Yeah, I think Bert would join the conversation and say that, you know, some of the challenges that he gets faced with when he's dealing with um, compliance issues and supporting employers when something goes wrong, I know our hotline often is, it's really something that many times, not always, but many times that a manager or supervisor did or didn't do um, often unintentionally unaware and then it's kind of festered and caused problems down the road, road as they get out of out of trouble and really the best way to avoid that is to help them learn you know the right and wrong to do's and don'ts from the beginning your program seems to be designed to do that particularly at the um at the higher end levels, or does that start in the beginning um, in the lead level? Yeah, we 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 start talking about that at the very beginning because um, it's you know as they as they are looked to as the example um, for from their team members uh, that starts at the very beginning. You know, we do have some some specific courses that focus exclusively on employment law. Um, it is not a deep dive into HR, but it's it's helping that supervisor understand. There are things that you need to do and, and ways to behave and things to avoid uh, to keep you personally and the organization out of trouble. And but it's but it's things that they can encounter every day. It's a high level overview of employment law, things like that. So that's that's also an important key once you get to that, especially that supervisor level before they move on. Absolutely. Well, there you've heard it from the world's best training manager, Matt Weidman. Matt, we appreciate you joining the program today. Um, I love what you said. We wouldn't just turn someone loose in our facility and say, go without training them and helping them develop. We shouldn't do that when it comes to managing our most valuable resources, all of our employees. Um, so let's, um, if you need help, let's make sure we contact Matt Weidman. Matt, how do they reach you real quick? Sure. They can reach out directly to me at matt.weidman at aaimea.org. All right. There you go. Matt will help you get yourself sorted out. Bert, thanks for joining today. Producer Nick, I love the memes. And let's all go out and be the world's greatest boss. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you once again for tuning in to This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link aimea.org forward slash This Week at Work. Or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're everywhere you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, when we discuss what's happening this week at work.